Hi, and you're very welcome back to episode nine of the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. My name is Brett Nearly, and once again this week, Stephanie is not with us, and we're ably assisted by Maeve DeBurka, who uh, fills in for her yet again. Maeve, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Brett. It's good to be back. It feels kind of bad saying you're filling in for Steph. You're here in your own right as an experienced international player and veteran of the league. Uh, in terms of uh, the weekend's action, plenty of games to talk about. We are going to be joined by Onyo Gorman later in the show. But first, we might have a little look back at the games over the weekend and some really, really exciting games. We might start with your own former club. I say former club. We're not really sure where you fit into the whole landscape yet. No official retirement, but you're not with them this season. Uh, they had their neighbours, I suppose, uh, to the south at least, Treaty United in town in Eamon DC Park. It was pretty much all she wrote by about 17 or 18 minutes into that game. 4-0 up. It did finish 4-1, a late consolation goal for Galway. Or for Treaty, should I say. But Galway, you, everyone down in, in Galway and around uh, must be delighted with, with that performance and that result. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said there, it was just all over very quickly, unfortunately, for Treaty, but uh, in a good way from a Galway perspective, they seemed to get all the goals, I think, within uh, six or seven minutes. Um, so it was just they're firing all, on all cylinders uh, at once. And um, I suppose it was it was good to see the ball at the back of the net and they're very clinical, uh, really good finishes as well. A bit of a worry from a, a Galway point of view that they didn't add to that total after such a blistering start? Or or is it kind of just something that's always going to happen? You're just going to drop off the pace once you kind of know, okay, the game as a competition is probably over. We've got the three points in the bag. But effectively, they lost the 70-odd the minutes of that game. They lost 1-0 to Treaty from that point on. Is that a bit of a worry for Billy going forward? Yeah, it would be. I mean, like you said, I suppose sometimes it can be hard when you you know that the game is um, essentially won, uh, you know, with a four-goal lead, you'd hope it would be anyway. And um, yeah, they just seemed to maybe, I suppose, in fairness to Treaty, they seemed to dig in a lot more and were far more compact um, after they did let in the goals. And um, I think Galway just kind of failed to maybe, you know, create the, the chances they would have hoped for it, considering, like you said, they had such a good start. And um it does it, it's frustrating i suppose that they didn't add to the lead um even more you know and completely uh, see the game out but um like i said i mean that's just a testament to treaty as well like they're obviously they had a bad spell of you know within all in the case of 10 minutes had they you know if it, it could have been a lot different as well like you said treaty ended up winning um the last 70 minutes of the game so from their point of view i think they can take positives from that yeah, and of course, uh, another good sign from a Galway point of view was uh, the goals all came from different sources. Uh, some girls getting their first goals of the season. Uh, Lindsay McKee opening the scoring after 11 minutes, then Savannah McCarthy and Shauna Brennan opening their accounts for the season, uh, 14 and 16 minutes each before that that girl. We can't, we ha- everyone's talking about her within the league at the moment. Rachel Kearns uh, picked up a bit of an injury, did go off at halftime, which might ex- explain a little bit of the, the lack of momentum. Um, but she got her sixth of the season. Six and four games. It's pretty impressive work from the Mayo player. Yeah, it is. She has really, she's uh, set the league al- alight, I think, in her first few games. Um, obviously, she had played with Castle Bar before, but I think uh, settling into a new team as well so quickly and just... Um, you know, scoring goals in every game is um it's a great um return for her. And I think um, you know, that may have been missing in the past with Galway and just to have a natural goal scorer and I think they've definitely found that. But like you said, um, you know, the massive positive the last day was that 
uh, the other girls contributed um, with goals too because you can't be completely reliant on one forward and um, it was great to see Shauna Brennan she was their player of the season last year and uh, that was actually her first senior goal so it was great to see her get on the score sheet and um, we know how threatening Sav can be from set pieces as well so that was kind of um, it was good just to see that you know the other girls are, are also contributing and Lindsay is a you know she's uh, well capable. She's um, been there, been around the block so many times, and she's always up. Um, you know, nearly almost always been our top goal scorer as well from midfield. So um, she had a great strike, I think, just from a corner as well. Um, it was a great finish. Is there a bit of a worry now that the season's starting to kind of? grow a couple of games in um, obviously the statistics that we keep on the website keeps track of the time that every player plays as well there's still seven girls even after that injury to Rachel over the weekend who've played every single minute for Galway which it would indicate that maybe the strength and depth isn't quite developed for to to mount a serious title challenge albeit they are second in the league at the moment or third joint second with Wexford yeah, like you said, I suppose you could look at it from that perspective, but also I think uh, I think we've been lacking in the past um, might be as well that we don't kind of keep a consistent um, starting 11 or close to it too. So uh, that might be something, um, you know, we're looking to build on and maybe try to keep it um, consistent too. And I suppose if the team's doing well, obviously they, um, they didn't get the result against DLR, but aside from that, they've been doing, um, you know, pretty well. So um, it could be a case of that as well, where where he's trying to keep um, some consistency. And um, but like I said, there is there is a lot of young girls as well in, in the squad. And I think maybe the, the fact that the under nineteen and under seventeen leagues haven't got up and running that might have uh, something to do with it as well a little bit in terms of once they get a few games under their belt with even the under nineteens that then they might be a bit more kind of ready to throw them in in a senior game. Absolutely. Now, two other games, uh, very similar stories to them, uh, very lopsided in terms of expectations going in, and that would be Piedmont's visit to Bohemians and also Wexford Youths against Athlone, two sides who traditionally would be much stronger than the other uh, coming into these fixtures. But both of them, it took a long time for the perceived stronger side to break them down. Let's maybe talk about first about the Bohemians Piedmont game. Scoreless at the break, uh, both sides came into it uh, nip and tuck, really, really, really tight. And again, it was maybe a 10 minute patch in that second half where Piedmont just opened the floodgates a little bit, won the game. Uh, but Bohemians must be happy with the performance. Yeah, they have to be. I mean, to keep the champions, even if you look at it from the first half, to keep it to nil all is a great um, achievement for them. I know they'll obviously um, be disappointed with the result and and that, but like at the same time, Piedmont, you know, have that uh, determination and like we previously said, like they do um, know how to close out games. And I think from their point of view, they'll be happy they got girls on the pitch as well who hadn't had much minutes. Um, it was great. Always side of bias to see it was great to see Dora Gorman back after four years and um from all accounts I think she had a great game. So um and as well the likes of Teague and Roddy who had also come back from an injury. So I think although like Steph would have said before, they didn't like add to their squad and the as too much in the off season, they had these players kind of come back from injury and it's as if they're new players for for the team. But it was um I suppose it was clinical finishing as well in the end that um, gave Piedmont the win. Having the likes of Eleanor Ryan Doyle, Steph, and Della Doherty to come off the bench as well. Not a bad trick at any level of the game as well. Uh, pretty demoralising when you've when you've held them out for so long to see those calibre players coming on and uh, with fresh legs and, and really just there to do a bit of damage. Eleanor, of course, got on the, on the score sheet herself. Uh, but Bo's plenty of green shoots and plenty of, of potential within that squad to really push on from that 
bottom of the table position they held last season. They look really good this year. Yeah, they do, and I think they can really challenge. You know, I think they'll be obviously aiming to move up the table. Um, they they've had some really positive signs already, like we saw in the first game. They managed to score six as well, so it doesn't seem like scoring. You know, uh, they may be able to score more against the perceived weaker teams um, in the league as well. You know, they um, but like I said, great positives from their side in terms of being able to keep Emount, um, you know, scoreless for so long and. I'm sure they'll just look back on it and um, perhaps see if the goals, you know, um, from their point of view are preventable as well. And um, it's definitely looking kind of like um, an exciting, I think, you know, all parts of the table are going to be exciting um, this year, but particularly that middle um, middle part where no one can really predict who's going to end up where. Yeah, there's some really mouth-watering clashes uh, over the next couple of weeks. We might chat about them a little bit later in the show. Going back to the second of those kind of uh, David versus Goliath uh, clashes, essentially, in the league this season, uh, Wexford Youths versus Athlone Town. I don't think anybody really, uh, given form and history, would have given Athlone a snowball's chance in hell of getting anything out of this game, but took 10 minutes from time and a penalty uh, for Kylie Murphy to put that one goal that settled the, the affair. Um, Athlone, a couple of late... Discipline issues, maybe a couple of poor refereeing decisions, they might argue. Um, two red cards. I think as much as losing this game, that could pose problems for them in the future with suspensions kicking in for those two games as well because Fiona Owens, Mern Devaney, both dismissed, have been two of their better performers this season. That's it, exactly. Like I said, two quality players and for them to be missing them, um, you know, in, in future games, or, um, or that will be, uh, it'll be tough, especially like we were saying, against teams that are going to be around them um, in similar positions in the league. But it's quite a similar story, I suppose, to the P-Man Bowes game in that um, Athlone will have been delighted to have, have kept um, Wexford scoreless for so long. And, um, you know, they will be trying to build on that because, like, Wexford are, are really, um, like, they're a good team and they're great attacking, you know, have great attacking players too. And to limit them to only scoring from a penalty um, is an achievement in itself, really. And I think that alone, you know, they'll be looking to build on it. But um, from a Wexford point of view, they might be disappointed that they didn't um, close out the game earlier and finish the chances. But um, like I said, it's very, very similar um, in that they have a similar kind of uh, determination and they have a great experience of game management um, like P-Mount and, you know, at the end of the day, they did enough and all that matters really is at this stage of the season particularly is that they picked up the three points. Yeah, I suppose looking down through the team list for um, for Wexford, other than maybe Limery Grant, who didn't start the match, a pretty much a, a first-choice team for Wexford. Would that be a concern for Tom Elms as he goes ahead through the season, that maybe they didn't have the luxury of maybe resting their first-choice players, which which Piedmont did to a certain extent and explains the, the, the performance from them a little bit or the, the nature of how tough they found it a little bit, uh, given that they had a... a an element of a second string outfit out on, on Saturday. It sounds worse than it actually needed to be, but do you know what I mean? That they had kind of girls who wouldn't have traditionally been in their first 11. Uh, Wexford seemed to have had that pretty much out on Saturday. Um, is that a concern for them going forward in terms of the talent that they have available to them? Possibly. I mean, um, I suppose in the past, Wexford may have had more, more strength and depth perhaps, um, you know, across the squad, but 
Um, like I said, they probably won't be worried, um, you know, um, as they're still picking up the points that they need. So I think, you know, they do have, I suppose they have quality players and um, really the only case of if, if injury or something prevented a few or, or um, you know, suspensions were to impact the squad, then maybe I think it might be uh, might become a problem. But I would say at the moment, they're probably um, happy enough to, like I said, to have picked up the three points, but also um, in a similar vein to Galway to have a bit of consistency. And, um, you know, like I said, those two are going to clash next week. So it will be an interesting um, tie as well. Yeah, of course, they do sit second in the group uh, or in the, the league table behind Piemont, uh, although they have a game extra played. Of course, they did lose to Piemont on the first day of the season, but since then, they've picked up seven from nine, so uh, they're heading in the right direction uh, in what looks like it's going to be a much more competitive league, as we mentioned. Speaking of that, uh, one game that probably was uh, not one of the best to watch over the weekend, but it was definitely more like a chess game than a, a football game, was the clash of Cork City and DLR Waves, settled by a Jess Gleason free kick uh, just before the half hour mark um great strike from the edge of the box uh, just kept it low and keeper really couldn't do much about it um she was on our show last week so obviously that's the the effect maybe on you'll be looking to get get her scoring boots on she's only got one so far this season so maybe we can inspire her to open the floodgates next week as well uh, jess will be delighted with that dlr will be happy with that they're also on seven points after their uh, opening games in the season this year yeah, I think DLR, they're probably the, I would imagine, the happiest team in the league um, in terms of their start. Um, like you said there, Jess really brings a lot of quality and experience to DLR. And like I said, it was a great strike. She's kind of renowned for, for doing those. You always see if she's up up in and around um, the ball, you know that it's going to be struck. And, uh, and normally it's struck well as well. So it was, it was a great finish into the corner. But, um, you know, they'll be happy with that. But um, it was really, I think it was a really important three points for them because, like you said, they'll be um, vying against our... Uh, with Cork as well for to be trying to break in and as well as Galway to be you know as we keep alluding to I suppose trying to to break into that and uh, making the top three a top four and um, I think DLR are the best position team at the moment and um, just given the first few rounds of games and um, to be able to do that and um, yeah they'll be delighted with having um, got the win against Cork. Yeah, I suppose this weekend they might even have a one little eye, a cheeky little glance towards second place. They play shells this weekend. We might preview that game later in the program. But first, maybe let's go have a chat with our first guest on the show today. And that is P-Mount striker, Ireland striker, and needs no introduction to anybody who follows the Women's National League. 107 caps to her name, Anya O'Gorman. <laughs> Anya O'Gorman, you're very, very welcome to the show. Hi, Breffney. How are you? Hi, Maeve. How are you? Hi, Maeve. Uh, it's been a while since we've crossed paths on I think we met in a match a couple of seasons ago had a bit of a chat just after the final whistle um but you've been busy you've gone into international retirement you've come out of international retirement you're still uh, wearing the green of Piemont and Ireland um how's life how's how's football been for you how's everything going yeah great I think um it's obviously gone well at the moment and yeah I took took a step back a few years ago and um the opportunity came around to to get back involved in the squad and, and wear the green jersey, I suppose, for Ireland again. Something that I couldn't return turn down. I think I'd, I'd regret it forever if I didn't. And obviously the goal was to qualify for the European Championships, um, but obviously that didn't didn't come to fruition. So focus now turns to the World Cup qualifiers and with the draw taking place on Friday. Yeah, do you notice any major differences, I suppose, from the time you left uh, until when you came back again? Um, look, I think obviously, um, you'll know yourself that 
I suppose the setup with the international team has has improved. I suppose the resources available and the setup when you're in camp um has improved massively um since since we probably started out Maeve together um all them years ago um uh, everything's very professional um like the the managers now are full time which which wasn't the case case in the past I suppose um a lot of the players are full time and and um, was here playing in Ireland I suppose or have a, a what would you call it an amateur status with a professional attitude so I think everyone's uh, up their game in, in that regard and the platform there now is is there now to perform and um, I suppose qualify for that major tournament is, is the next big step. Any little bit of jealousy kicking kick in with uh, I know with Julie Nelson on the show last week would you be looking at the north and kind of saying that could have been us? Yeah like I think what they've achieved is amazing and um and how how they achieved it well. They're fourteen in their group and, and they've qualified for the Euros, which is is massive. Um I know that they have fourteen players, I think, in that were in the squad based based in Northern Ireland. Um so obviously they've done an amazing job. They're doing home based training sessions every week and I think that's something that we need to assimilate here now in Ireland as well, that we have them them sessions every week as well. And as we build and give the players a chance here in Ireland that are in the squad to to perform at that level as well. Yeah, in terms of I suppose the, the club season though, uh, P Mount top of the league as probably many would have predicted. Uh, you must be delighted with how the season started: three games, three wins, and and three games against top opponents that you'd be competing with for for league titles. Um, for the most part, Shells and Wexford in your first two games. Yeah, I think so. I think um, obviously we had we knew we when the fixture list came out we were going to have a, a really tough start to the season. Um, so I suppose that 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 was good. I suppose going into preseason that we knew that we were going to have to really, really hit the ground running and running and be at the top of their game. Like a trip to Ferry Carrick Park and the league openers is is not easy. And then after that, then we actually we were idle then, and then the international break, and then it was like another little mini preseason, I suppose you could say. And then and then we played Shells and Green Oak as well. So look, I think uh, it was very pretty football in in either of them games, but it's all about results, and I'm just delighted to get the. The, the three points and then obviously went up against a good bow side um, last weekend who are improving all the time set up really well and um, tactically astute and made it difficult for us and it took us over 60 minutes to, to break them down and, and break the deadlock as well so yeah it was a good performance three goals and, and sorry three wins from three and we were just talking earlier there, I mean, Brefney, about the, I suppose, the depth that can be in, in squads as well. And uh, I know Steph was saying before as well how you hadn't added too much um, to your squad like during the season. But um, but like I said, um, how I suppose good is it to see the likes of Dora and Tegan and that um, coming on now and really kind of, I suppose, trying to break into your starting 11? Yeah, it's amazing. Like we've strengthened depth in the, in the squad. And I think that will stand by us going through the season. It's a long season. We're only three games in to play everyone three times. So. Um, that will really stand by us and it makes training really competitive week in, week out. It gets the best out of us as players as well and when we go on the pitch then we know to perform to, to keep the jersey as well. So it was great to see Tegan, Tegan back playing 90 minutes, got, got a nice goal as well and then obviously Dora was all at the back and um, was ultimately the player of the match as well. So yeah, it's, it makes it exciting and then you have to look at our bench as well that day and um, it's stacked as well and I think substitutions that have been made this season have, have really made an impact and it's like bringing on like for like and fresh legs at, at the time when when maybe um other teams are starting to tire and so yeah it's a, it's a huge bonus 
Yeah, myself and I were also chatting about, I suppose, the, the number of players at certain clubs that have played nearly every minute of every game so far. That hasn't really been a problem for Piemont. There's only really four or five of you that have played virtually every minute. Yourself, Lauren, Claire, Karen and Dervila have played most of every game. Um, and then you're a good bit back to the next branch. So there's a lot of players playing vital parts and significant parts in games. How important is it for the likes of Piemont, I suppose, as a team to use that um, experience and that talent that's on the bench and, and give pen, plenty of pl- players plenty of minutes on the pitch? Yeah, look, it's massive, I suppose. Like, um, you just have to, I suppose James O'Callaghan has a bit of a headache week in, week out, picking, picking the starting team and when players are performing in games and, and performing in training as well. But that's really healthy competition. I think that's something that you welcome, welcome as a, a squad. You'd, You'd rather that than be looking to the bench and, and thinking um who can't make any subs and, and players getting tired as well. Like look like no one likes to get, get left out and um, probably keeps it keeps you that little bit hungry as well. So look, it's it's massive, I suppose, and just to keep everyone fresh and, and alert. Like it's a long, long, long season ahead and to give players like Becky Watkins a start and the experience and squad break all this weekend as well. It's a huge talent and um, a really bright future. Orla came on, made a debut on, on the left wing as well as a, a good young player coming through the system too. On a personal note though, you do top that list, 270 minutes played out of 270 minutes. Do you feel um, the legs uh, at this stage? Are you at that stage of your career where maybe you might be quite thankful for a, uh, a break? Because my experience of you in, in squads, and we're talking a decade ago, was you were the first one there and the last one to leave. And even as soon as you arrived, there was a football at your foot and you just wanted to play. You didn't care what level it was at or or who you were playing against. You just wanted to be on the pitch. Is that still the on your woman mantra when it comes to playing week in, week yes. out? Yes. Yes. So I don't want to rest. I don't like resting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to play as many minutes as I can, but... Obviously, the manager makes a decision to arrest me for the for the greater good of the team. You, you just have to accept that. Both be a team player and and get on with it. Yeah, but look, still feeling good. Um, yeah, I think maybe when I'm playing it, there's doesn't hurt. Maybe it takes me a little bit longer to recover after the game. But when I'm playing, there's there's no problem. I still have a, a good engine and and keep going and and that winning mentality. I just want want to win games for the team and um keep collecting three points week in. And how do you find the switch, obviously, um, positioning? Again, we were talking about it there a few weeks ago, how Louise Quinn has seemed to be now a striker and uh, you're <laughs> more deemed to be a defender, I suppose, with the Irish team. But how do you find it when you then uh, transition back uh, playing at Piemont? Yeah, look, I suppose uh, I love being up front and on the wing and I was always kind of like a striker in that, that sense, just playing and playing and scoring goals, making goals and, and closing in teams and, and pressing teams as well. So... Obviously, when I go into the international setup, um, I know that I'm probably more likely going to be fullback as well. It just just takes me a little while to adjust, and then you just get into the swinging things and the flow of things. You go players around you helping you as well, so um, good communication. So yeah, it's it's no problem adjusting in there. So now I give the set set Louise up instead of her setting me up. <laughs> but like that, that just seems alien to me. And I, I spoke to I think it was yourself maybe a couple of weeks ago on the show mm-hmm. where we talked about the fact that because I, I would have had yourself and Louise back in your very early days playing together with the Leinster Colleges side and you would have been at polar opposite ends of the field. Now it's reversed. <laughs> and like, where did that come from? Because that's kind of the thing that happened. Was it under Sue or under Noel that you kind of gravitated back towards right back? And you've pretty much been there for your international career since. Yeah. So, yeah, it happened under, now to be, Louise Quinn playing up front's not a permanent thing. It's just a, a tactical <laughs> thing, I suppose. Come to the ends again, just to put that, Right. Um, she's still still an out and out defender. 
Um, yeah, so like I remember under under Sue Ronan, um, we went to play Bilbao, and um, it was kind of we didn't have a full squad at the time, and she just said that she was she was going to try me out in the the right back position. So, um, I must have done okay. Um, so yeah, so I, I played there for a few games. I, I didn't get stuck there, I suppose Sue. And then I did play a few games up front, and I remember playing it out in Portugal. And I actually started up front, and and I scored a goal, and then um someone went off injured, and then I had to go back for the rest of the game. But we got the win, and that's what it was all about. So just just happy to be part of it, I suppose. Would you prefer to be playing wearing number nine and up front, or ten up front, and or two at the back? No, no, up front scoring goals all day. Talking about, talking about scoring goals, uh, only one so far this season. I know we're only three games in. It's very, very early. But you've won the golden boot in this competition so often, I can't even count the number of times. You might know yourself. It's probably four or five, maybe even six times in the couple of seasons. Exactly um, probably not. Uh, but you've won it, a few <laughs> times. You've won it definitely yeah. more than two or three times. Uh, in terms of the, the overall kind of context of the league, um. Is it is that a goal you set out to to achieve at the start of the season? Would you give it any thought and just, or is it just something that if it happens, it happens? Or do you kind of say, well, I've set the bar for myself as the top scorer in the league, and now that you're looking maybe at your own teammate, Eleanor has three, she's two more than you. Rachel Cairns is six, she's she's a good bit ahead of you already. Uh, does that even weigh in your mind when you're going into a game? No, not really. I think um, I think you go on to, into the game, focus on your task, and um, ultimately win performing, and the performance will, will take care of the results, I suppose. And yeah, I don't really think about it before before the season starts. I think um, me and Ellie would have had a bit of banter about it last season, just towards the end. But um, I'd like to think we're both quite unselfish players and um, create goal scoring chances and and score goals as well. So for me, I think it's more I get frustrated if I'm getting chances and I'm not taking them, rather than uh, totting up my goal tally. But it's always a I suppose a nice nice achievement to, to get at the end of the season. Um if you had a top goal scorer, but I think like 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 the last season, I don't think our defence probably get enough recognition and, and our two top goalkeepers, Nisha and, and Neve Reed Burke as well. So uh yeah, just, just like I said, I think that the goal scorers take all the glory. No, we did have a little interaction on Twitter with Eleanor yesterday about um someone give her credit for being top goal scorer on the top goal scorer chart. She's like what about the goalkeepers? They deserve a bit of credit too. So nice to see yourself uh, pile in on that debate as well. And of course, Nemo, top of the list. She was on the show with us a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, I know yourself and Maeve now, I'm going to put you both on the spot because you both have done your UEFA B license together. Um, I suppose this is a question for both of you really in terms of what are your ambitions in coaching? Is it something you're just doing to aid your your playing career in your case, Sonia, and maybe whatever might be ahead for you, Maeve, uh, is that something you've given thought to yet or is it just to have it to be ready to move on to that stage of your football and experience? Uh, yeah, I suppose from my side, I think um, I had done the, you know, the kickstarts and the youth cert uh, quite a few years ago and I'd looked into the UAFB all right uh, a few times, but it's just the timing of it and that used to clash a lot with our games. And then when the FAI, in fairness, they put on this course that was kind of, I suppose, aimed at female only, uh, female only um, participants. And it was during the break in our off season as well. It was kind of handed on a plate to you. So it was actually made it a lot easier um, to pursue. It. And like you said, I suppose when you're playing, you're always thinking what's um, what's ahead as well. And um, I think it's a really good 
um, thing I suppose just to have there. And like I said, I think you do learn a lot as well, even when you're still playing. Um, you know, you can learn a lot, particularly tactically wise, I suppose, um, from it. And I mean, when you're an older player on a team, you're essentially um, you're kind of acting nearly as a coach at times to the younger players too. So I think it's definitely um, a great benefit when you're still playing. Yeah, I felt obviously it was a really good experience and, and a really good opportunity to get get the B license and get high up. I suppose in, in that coaching ladder and a lot to learn tactically, tactically and a lot of tactical awareness as well. And well, I think it's it's quite difficult when you're playing at, at a good level to balance both playing and coaching because there's a lot of um preparation and planning that that has to go into to coaching at a at a high level, I suppose as well. But I, I really enjoy coaching and will occasionally do sessions for clubs and, and teams as well and it's something that I'm quite passionate about and we'll probably delve further into when, when I hang up them boots. Of course you are a PT as it stands. That's your the day job effectively, right? Yeah, that's it. Like so I kind of have a passion for, for helping people obviously keep fit and feeling good and and, and coaching in, in that regard as well. And I find it incredibly rewarding as well. And I really enjoy now like sitting down and analysing games and um, and that aspect of it as well, and then and then letting it translate out onto the pitch as well. So uh, yeah, look, we'll we'll see what the future holds. Hopefully, you can um I think now it's the UEFA B Elite um when that comes around and then onto the to the UEFA B and and see where it takes us. How did you both find the actual process though? Because I suppose I did on my UEFA B 10, 15 years ago now, um, and it's a very different process now. Um, why am I right in saying that was the course that the FAI put on for free for? for women footballers and members of the Women's National League, which I think was a huge initiative. And it's great to see um, people who maybe have been outside the loop as a, as a as a collective women, very few women's people doing those UFOB courses. You could probably count them on, on one or two hands who've done them in the country. So to have a glut of people come through that process so quickly together from a, a community point of view is fantastic. But the actual process of going, doing the course and, and I suppose the, the camaraderie and the network you build up through it uh, how did you find that? Uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, there was a lot of girls, I suppose your peers uh, in Ireland, and it was great um, just to make those connections and I suppose learn from each other a lot. Like the tutors were great um, in terms of the actual, you know, the theory side of it and the obviously on the pitch, but then off the pitch as well. I think um, just um, making bonds with the girls and kind of learning and seeing how they did things. I suppose we watched a lot, like um, a lot of, um, ourselves coaching you know and others coaching so you did pick up things and I suppose you had there was a lot of uh, group discussions and that and you know to see where where we could all improve so from that point of view I think um, it was really good and I mean my experience anyway would be any other coaching course I've been on I've probably been the only girl um, on it so from that side as well I think um, a lot of the girls there the women might have found it easier as well to interact and I suppose to give their opinions when you're surrounded by um, like-minded and um, similar people I suppose. Anya, you're well used to being, I suppose, in what would be traditionally male-dominated fields, particularly in broadcast. I know you've done a couple of games in RTE where we'd be more traditionally used to seeing men commentating and analysing games. Did you find the same in terms of uh, your own I suppose attitude towards how the the course was presented when it was all women on the course was it more welcoming was it uh, less intimidating maybe than being surrounded by a room full of men or does that even bother you anymore yeah it doesn't it wouldn't bother me usually to be honest and um, 
football is football. It's whether you're a man or a woman involved in the game. It's 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 a game of football at the end of the day, I suppose. Um, yeah, but look, it was a great atmosphere and it was great to meet and so many people and create networks with with so many people, ex-players, players playing in the game, and people coaching in the national league and involved in the FAI as well. So it was it was a really good uh, opportunity from that. We had some um, really good external people come in and and give presentations. I think the the tutors are great at guiding us through. Obviously, the theoretical stuff and, and the practical stuff as well, and, and getting all them assignments together and getting their assignments in and, 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 and preparing us, I suppose, as for your um, continuous assessments. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, if we take it back to your playing career, though, Anya, and of course, the, the, the Irish career uh, resuscitated recently, thanks to, uh, I suppose, the, the opportunity to get back involved with the team under Vera. You mentioned the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, you're at that age, unfortunately, in your career where people will ask you, what's next? Are you going to be hanging around for long? What's the story? Um, is that the plan? Is the World Cup qualification, the whole campaign in your, in your plan? Will we see it in Ireland jersey past that? Is this your your last crack at a qualifying campaign, or has that even talked come into your head? Because I know you keep yourself in great shape. So w- could we see it on your government playing to I don't know mid thirties, late thirties, or or where are we? Well, I don't know. Like I suppose um, it's how physically and mentally, and um, you can you can keep going as well. I suppose um, I always take. I think Maeve might even say the same. Like you kind of take a campaign as a block, like so it's a European campaign or a World Cup campaign, and, and that's kind of your sole focus. So you don't really look too, too far beyond that as well. But I suppose, uh, yeah, the, the numbers are clocking up in the background as well, so that's something that, that, that's deep in my mind. But every campaign you go into, you go into to, to give it 100% and, and as a team together, and, and hopefully we get a good draw now on Friday and we, we can really start building towards that. Anybody you'd particularly like to avoid in the draw on Friday? Or anyone you might particularly want to get? Um, like, I suppose it's always a tough one. I think we're quite quite renowned for drawing Germany, aren't we? As a top seed, <laughs> played in quite a lot actually in the in the past as well. So, um, look, I don't really mind. It's it's. I think all the the teams in around the world and and in Europe are always growing and developing as well, like ourselves here here in Ireland as well. So it's going to be very competitive, and um, you just have to I think take a lot of. Um, encouragement I suppose from what the, the girls did in Northern Ireland going into fourth seeds and, and getting into that playoff and qualifying for the, for the Euros as well so I think if um, everything comes together together well and the performances and I think something we can learn from the last campaign is is getting them results in that, them pressure situations in, in them pressure games and um, something that, that we can learn from and bring into the to next campaign. Yeah, we did talk to Steph a few weeks ago about some of the youngsters coming through the league and through the the home group, the home international group that that do meet uh, on a regular basis. Who has caught your eye from that group in over the last couple of weeks and maybe you think could be someone that we would be seeing a lot of in Ireland jerseys over the next decade or so? Yeah, look, I think um, obviously Emily Whelan and Ella Malloy, um, Shelburne and Wexford player, um, did exceptionally well in, in the last camp as well and and I think Emily's pace and, and created chances in, in that Denmark game as well. And, and, and she'll only learn from, from that experience and, and being in camp as well. And it's a, it's a massive talent. That is Ellen Loy. She's, a, I think, she's probably a nightmare to mark, a, a great dribbler at a ball. And, and it's something that's great to see because I don't think there's, a, there's enough uh, um, tricky, tricky players, I suppose, uh, 
uh, coming through at the moment. So yeah, that that's something that's really really encouraging. And obviously the the future is quite bright for her. I like um, Avian Clancy that plays down in Wexford and sent him in as well. A good player. Um, Wearing who plays for Atlone is a, another really good, strong um, centre mid midfielder. True, and um, I don't want to say a single them out because there's a lot, a lot, a lot of good young players players coming through. And you have like Ava Mahoney down in Cork, who, who's starting to come into her own um, this season. Who has been, been been around for a while, but still still quite a young player as well. So look, the the, the future is bright, and, and for me, I just hope that that these players when when they finish school or whatever, they if they need to stay here for college, the the opportunity and and the platforms here for them to to be in an elite environment, I suppose, and getting them extra sessions that, that we talked about that they can form the international setup. And obviously, if they they will get opportunities, probably probably to go abroad, and whether that's the the right opportunity for them or not. But um, they are becoming more plentiful, I suppose, at the moment. In your own experience, you did the, the course in Carlo and then you took an opportunity to go to Doncaster for two seasons before deciding it wasn't really for you maybe and coming back to play with Piemont, uh, UCD Waves and back to Piemont again uh, while you worked full time. Is that something you would recommend to these girls or does everybody have to kind of take their own route, their own path, whether that's maybe a scholarship to the States or a professional contract somewhere around Europe? Um, what would you be advising the average, and I know nobody really fits the full average, but <laughs> the average player coming through in that situation. Yeah, like I think it's obviously important, and I think Maeve will probably agree with me that when you when you finish school, I suppose getting your your third level education always has to be be in the back of their mind, and and something that you you should pursue pursue wherever you go, whether um it be to be a professional footballer to America. But then that's my point that and um, people are going to get good opportunities to go and bro- go abroad, and if they want to take them, that's but if they don't and they want to stay here and they want to pursue their education and can can we provide them with that opportunity to stay here and then and um, therefore it will strengthen our league as well and and that's something that I'd like to see obviously our league going to some sort of direction as a semi-professional and I think this year has been a, been a huge step in, in that I suppose with Airtrees to come on, on board sponsoring both leagues and, and we can see the exposure and um, even with the likes of yourself that, that the league is getting this year so so to, to us as players then to keep the standards high, keep the standards in their club high and, and push towards that, that really professional environment. Yeah, like you're saying there, um, the standards we have noticed, I suppose I've noticed it myself, but um, the difference is, I suppose, when the league first started out um, and, you know, I know there's a lot of controversy over, like, referees not turning up, that type of thing, versus now, like, have you seen the progression uh, within the league? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think, um, obviously, the first year of the league started, I actually think that, that was probably quite successful, but yeah, but maybe um it, it didn't really take off from there. I suppose it maybe stayed a little bit um stagnant for for a while. But I think this this year is kind of being rejuvenated and look, there has to be something for our young players like the seventies and nineties now coming through. Obviously, we have that talent pool who playing in a uh, national league setup already coming through. So that's always always gonna gonna benefit us as well. And they have to have something to aspire to and, and stay in the game and. Um, and and keeping enjoying their football and at the highest level they can. Before we let you go, Anya, we are running out of time. But before we let you go, um, we always give Steph a bit of a ribbon about the, that goal. But of course, <laughs> she made she made a sow's uh, a leather purse out of a sow's ear of a pass because that was not one of your finest crosses. Uh, how often do you hear about that and your involvement in that whole uh, experience? Now that Steph's not here to defend you. Yeah, look, um, I think uh, I always get 
do you know if I tell go around and tell someone to play football they're like oh do you know that girl the sport that going like yeah that's Steffi like um, she's one, one of my good friends that, that I obviously met through football but I think you'll you probably know like through growing up that me and Steph always kind of had a, a relationship on the pitch I suppose that um, we just knew each other to and then I'll tell her I'm the legs behind the operation and, and she got all the glory so uh, yeah look it wasn't one of the finest moments I think I just was it was instinct to look for Steph and switch across in but look it was a, a she made a miraculous recovery <laughs> but like, the important thing is when you tell them that you know them do you tell them you're the girl that gave her the ball yeah sometimes <laughs> well listen on you I'm the best pass her the ball that day yeah <laughs> uh, well, listen, uh, she did return the favour in the cup final last year so we can't really we can't really falter um, Anya as always it's a pleasure to catch up with you best of luck uh, it's been a great start of the season and the best of luck to you this weekend and also to uh, to the, all your teammates over the course of the season I'm sure we'll be talking to you and your teammates again through the, the rest of the, the season so thanks for dropping in enjoy training sure, thanks Bethany. thank you thanks mate see you soon Onya Gorman there, an absolute legend of the League of Ireland. She's been a key part of a numerous teams, mainly P-Mount and, of course, a brief period at UCD or DLR Waves, or I think it was UCD Waves during her time there. Um, as someone who's played against her and faced her many, many times, Maeve, how vital is she to P-Mount in terms of what she brings in experience and ability? Yeah, she's really vital, like you said. I mean, her intensity and her just determination, I suppose, um, it stayed with her throughout her career. I mean, I suppose I remember back when I first got in the league and uh, they had Anya on one side and Julianne Russell on the other uh, facing us against Galway, against UCD. And, you know, our game plan would always be to try to negate the two of them on the wings. And like that, Anya's really, um, you know, she's, I suppose, um, kept up the standards all the way throughout her career. And, um yeah, it's great to see, and she's been leading the way really with P-Mount over the last year, and I would say she'd be hoping to do that for many years to come. Equally gall, and I'm sure from a Galway point of view, and seeing Julianne Russell wearing a blue of a UCD or, UCD or a Dublin side as well uh, against Galway. Uh, let's move on to the weekend's fixtures, and we have a full round of games played over Sunday and Saturday this weekend. Uh, we mentioned Treaty and P-Mount. That game, of course, takes place on Sunday. We'll talk about that in a minute. But let's start maybe again with your own side at Galway. They make the journey down to Ferry Carrick Park, Wexford Youths. This should be a fairly even game at uh, both sides in the shake-up to maybe go to top spot at least for 24 hours so uh plenty on the line here for both teams for sure yeah i think on paper wexford are definitely the favorites um but you know galway have had a good um win against treaty last time out so i think they'll be full of confidence um so one major factor is always the trek down and um, to wexford is a long long um trip down and i think they brought the kickoff forward as well to, so it's even more of a difficult, I suppose, um, task to go down and, and try to get a result. But um, I think it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be very tight. But I think, um, you know, hopefully Galway can get the job done and it'd be great to see them, um, you know, really compete. And whether to get three points, it would really bring them on. And like I said, try to get closer to that, that really challenge in the top three. And um, I suppose these are the games that will really, I suppose the season will be judged by because um, those are the results that these are the games that you want to be getting results out of. And of course, this was two other teams who face off on Saturday, who also, depending on the results in your game, could be top of the league on Saturday. Even show us how close the league is this year. Five teams 
within a single game of the top of the table. Shells and DLR, two Dublin sides, they know each other quite well. There's been a bit of back and forth between the two teams at senior and underage level this season. I know um, there's coaching staff changes between the two sides. There's players, we talked about Jess Gleeson, uh, Kate Mooney also. Uh, she won't be part of this now, she's out injured. But um, there has been plenty of movement between the two sides. Uh, what do you think that game is going to be like? Because for me, I think it's a real opportunity for DLR to show uh, a sign of intent of where they see themselves this season. People are putting them in that third or fourth place battle. Here's a chance for them to really even push that and notch, notch to second or third place. This game is really, yeah, it's going to show what DLR is supposed to have their season in a way is going to pan out because like you said, there's been a lot of talk about DLR um, this time out and they have had a really bright start, um, but this game will determine a lot. I think Shells will be uh, full of confidence, particularly playing at home as well. I think Shells will feel that they, they'll have the upper hand. But like you said, there's a kind of added intensity and I suppose a bit of spice to the game in that um, a lot of players, um, you know, former players will be returning uh, to their previous club and that. So it'll add another dimension um, to it. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the results or yeah, how the game pans out and um, to see, like I said, to see can DLR actually in a similar way, I suppose, to go um, this weekend coming to see if they can really, um, you know, make an impact on the top three. Yeah, Jess Gleeson, to be fair, we had her on the show last week and she talked about how it would just be another game to her, that she'd got that hoodoo off her back uh, before the season started in a pre-season game. Interesting to see if that's actually how it pans out at the weekend. But as I said, they have the chance to go top of the table, both sides, for at least a couple of hours. And then Wexford and Galway will have the chance to leapfrog them uh, based on goal difference. Uh, but finally, uh, on Saturday evening at Lone Town and Cork City, uh, both sides looking to really get their first wins of the season been reasonably solid performances from both sides through the the campaign so far while the results haven't gone their way and they haven't managed to get a win in the in the win column yet it's been pretty decent performances from both sides and i think if the suspensions weren't in play for at loan based on the two sentences off last week you'd have to fancy them at home but it's going to be a fairly even battle this weekend and cork will be looking to to come up and take all three points home with them like you said there, Will, I think it's going to be very even. Um, the, the sendings off will, I think, have probably, unfortunately, may have a negative impact for alone, especially when there's two quality players that are going to be missing. And um, obviously Cork are going to try to take advantage of that. And I think both sides will be disappointed, like you said, in terms of the results, um, not so much the performances, because bo both have actually been quite solid, but just... Um, you know, lacking, lacking the, I suppose, the final, um, the points on the board as such. So, yeah, I think that it's going to be a tight one. If I was to call it, I would say the Cork might edge it out because I think they've been, I suppose, nearly due a result at this stage because they have put in performances um, that have been worthy of, of more than what they've got for them. So uh, I think Cork might edge it, but, um, you know, at Loner, they're a dogged team as well. So it wouldn't be, uh, you couldn't write them off too easily. Yeah, plenty of your former Galway teammates uh, in that Athlone side as well. I know two goalkeepers, a couple of outfield players as well. Um, how have you f thought that they've handled the start of the season, despite only not managing to get a, a win yet? Um, have you been impressed with maybe the improvement that has been fairly obvious with them? I have, yeah. They have really, um, I suppose they've added to, to the squad. And I think, you know, there is depth there that wouldn't have been there. 
um, you know, last season. And they are at a still a really early stage, um, you know, in the club's development. So I think, you know, can't expect too much from them too early. But at the same time, I know that they're, um, you know, they will be themselves. They'll be hoping um, to push on and to, to really, um, you know, make an impact in the league this year in particular. And like you said, they have added like really quality players Um lots of like I said lots of my former teammates are there now and they're really um I think they'll bring experience as well to it um and just you know just to try I suppose that every game they're going to make it hard and difficult uh to, to be beaten and I think that's the main thing they'll be focusing on this season is to be hard to break down and they have proven that as well um in the season so far now last week we had uh two fairly big performances from uh, teams that found themselves in a David versus Goliath situation that we talked about at the top of the show. Uh, this weekend, Treaty United host P-Mount. Um, we spoke to Anya about it um, briefly in that chat, but realistically, um, it's very hard to see anything other than a P-Mount victory in this. Even if they played uh, their second string, um, Treaty just looked to be a little bit off the pace this year. P-Mount flawless so far this season. Um can you see anything other than a treaty win in this fixture? Sorry, well, uh, other than a P-Mount win in this fixture. I, I, uh, I can't really, um, but at the same time, like you said, sometimes um, when teams haven't been performing maybe as well as, as they would like, then there can be a slight rebound effect as well. And I think, you know, the loss and go will have hurt them. And, um, you know, at times then that can lead to the following game, then um, the team actually, you know, spring into life as such. And I do think there's a bit more in the treaty tank that we just haven't seen yet i think you know they they do they're they're again a relatively new team and they have new structures in place and that all takes time to kind of uh, embed i suppose and you know impact how how the team performs in the pitch and i think at times they they've been a bit unfortunate like like i did say last week apart from that 10 minute spell they were they went toe to toe with goy and um like we we're already saying goy then are hoping to to go to toe to toe at the other end of the table so it's just proves I suppose this year that um you know the team the from top to bottom in the league which um which we may see you know um at the weekend uh there may not be as big a gap as as there would have been in, in previous years but again I mean I would expect that um PMAT would have enough um to overcome um treaty but it'll be it'll be still an exciting game nonetheless I'd imagine. Yeah interesting to see just how many of his second string uh, James Callan puts out on the pitch over the weekend. I think I expect to see a lot of different names maybe on the starting eleven than we've seen so far in the season. Um <coughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um Maeve, as ever, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to have you again next week on the show. Um, and Steph has a little bit of a, uh, a work commitment for the next couple of weeks, so uh, isn't going to be with us, but we'll be back in the middle of May. In terms of uh, the season ahead, any... Sorry. In terms of the weekend ahead, uh, which games are you going to watch? Obviously, you probably keep an eye on the Galway game, but uh, anything else catch your attention or catch your interest? Yeah, I think the uh, Shelburne DLR game will be exciting, um, especially for neutrals um, watching the league as well. I think that one will, like you said, it'll really um, determine, I think, uh, whether DLR can keep pace um, with the top teams or not. And, you know, I still expect, um, I think maybe we haven't seen as well the complete best out of Shelburne um, to date or up until this point in the season. So, you know, they're due, uh, they're always, um, you know, good up front and they have a lot of fire firepower. So I think we're due to see them, um, you know, shooting all cylinders at some stage as well this season. So who knows if that's going to happen um, this weekend or not, but that's definitely a game I think I'll be keeping an eye on. 
Yeah, I think Shells, um, I know Piemont are top of the table, but Shells, to me, have been the the nicest side to watch in terms of the football they play and the brand of football they play and uh, and the players that they have to, to put that into, into action. So I think we haven't seen the last of them in, in the title challenge. And I know it's 1-0 Piemont in terms of those uh, clashes between the sides directly, but I think it's going to be a long, long way to go. And as you mentioned, uh, those gaps between the, the, the teams in the league, each positions tightening up in terms of the ability in terms of the standard that they've that they've raised and i think we're going to be surprised more and more and more as the season progresses Maeve, thanks very much for joining me uh, to anya who joined us as well um always as always great to have our company on the show and uh, we'll be talking to you again next week may have talked to you then thanks very much see ya